Well, welcome back to uh, another edition of the Bowlers Extra podcast uh, here on jconline.com uh, through SoundCloud. Mike Carmen, beat writer for the Lafayette Journal and Courier. Uh, as we get ready for Saturday's football game uh, between Illinois and Purdue, uh, recording this on a Wednesday, and it is raining here in Lafayette, West Lafayette. And the last time I believe the Illinois uh, team visited Ross Age Stadium, there was a deluge of, uh, of rain. I don't know if we're going to, hopefully we don't have that this week, but, uh, uh, hopefully clear skies and, uh, fall like temperatures for Saturday's game. Joining us on the podcast today, uh, Scott Ritchie, talented and excellent and charming beat writer for the Champaign News Gazette, covers virtually everything about Illinois. Uh, he can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but uh, he's everywhere doing everything with Illinois, and uh, he joins us today. Scott, hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and thank you for such a uh, generous introduction. <laughs> well, we got we got to pump like you up, to think man. Things are true, but uh, yeah, just might be a a bit of an exaggeration. But the, they're true if I say them, and this is my podcast, and I can do whatever I want. Okay, then we'll, we'll go with it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, <laughs> gonna go against you on that. All righty, four games for Illinois because they played the week zero uh, matchup uh, against uh, uh, Nebraska over in Champaign. So, kind of what uh, you know, they're they're basically a quarter of the way through the season. What what has been your kind of key takeaways from what you've seen so far from this Illini team? Probably that the the three losses to UTSA, Virginia, and Maryland are a bit more in line with kind of how I thought maybe the season would go, as opposed to that that week zero win against Nebraska. Although I did pick Illinois to win that game, but more because I thought Nebraska was just kind of a hot mess and still might be. Um, but it just and this is something that that Brett Bielma actually talked about this week. But the, the margin of error for this Illinois team is razor thin and you know it's it showed up uh, against Maryland in this most most recent game where you know the defense played much better than it did the, the week before at Virginia where it just got torched um, but you know, the last five minutes just that decided the game and you know, the defense didn't get uh, the, the complimentary football from you know, the offense and special teams that, that Bielma really stresses. You know, the offense looked rough, you know, especially once Chase Brown and Josh McCray, you know, the top two running backs, uh, were lost for the game. Um, and Brandon Peters' return was certainly not mistake-free. And you know, they just Elmo can't afford to make you know mental mistakes. Can't afford you know, penalties like they had at Virginia. Um, if they expect to win. And, you know, so far, they've had maybe more of those than the Nebraska game where, you know, things looked great at the beginning of the Brett Bielma era, you know, with a, a Big Ten win at home and a, you know, a decent crowd, and then it's just sort of gone a little bit downhill since. Yeah, I would touch on the Maryland game a little bit. As you mentioned, the defense, I mean, Maryland came in based on what they had done earlier in the season with a pretty potent offensive attack. And they've got a talented quarterback. They've got talented receivers. But um, just how did that defense play? And, and kind of keeping them in check and not letting them kind of get the big plays that they're used to. 
mean, it was a little strange because we look at the just the stats. You know, Maryland put up a pretty good amount of yardage, uh, and especially through the air, like they you know have done against a lot of teams. But Illinois held them out of the end zone, so that was important. But the main difference for the Illinois defense against Maryland was it finally got pressure on the quarterback um, after you know really doing well against. Nebraska in that regard, you know, sacked Adrian Martinez five times and they had one sack in the next two games. Um, so got after Talia Tongavaloa. Um, Seth Coleman was kind of a revelation, you know, there. Um, the redshirt freshman got his first career start, you know, provided some pressure, had, you know, a strip, fumble, and recovery, um, played really well there. And then the secondary, well, I got hit, you know, a few times. You know, it was certainly better than it was the previous two games. Uh, another change there, Taz Nicholson, another retro freshman, started instead of Tony Adams, you know, the, a fifth-year senior and captain, and, you know, played well. So, you know, they made some tweaks, and I think just they, you know, the defense coordinator, Ryan Walters, talked about it, but I think maybe they asked maybe a little bit less of the, the defensive players, let them play a little more freely, just do what they do well, and, yeah. You know, I mean, it worked, but again, you know, the offense didn't help them out against Maryland, and then, you know, being on the field more late, I think they you know, just maybe ran out of a gap a little bit as Maryland put together two two drives in five minutes that, that won them the game. Right. Uh, Illinois had some injuries in that game, and you alluded to the running backs. I think they lost both of them during that game. Kind of what is the status as we talk here on Wednesday about, you know, what uh, who may be on the field Saturday against Purdue? Illinois might be at its healthiest, you know, heading into a game as it has been all season. Um, and, you know, Chase Brown, Josh McCray, both ex- expected back. Um, Doug Kramer. You know, starting center, six-year player, um, missed the Maryland game. He's, he'll also be back. Julian Pearl, who has recently you know, moved into the, the lineup as starting right guard, went down in the Maryland game. He's also expected back. And the, the kind of the crazy thing is, if all things hold true you know, throughout you know, the rest of this week, the Illinois will have its starting center, quarterback, and top running back all together for the first time at the beginning of a game for the whole season. You know, obviously Brandon Peters missed some time. Chase Brown has dealt with some injuries, and and Doug Kramer you know, missed part of the Virginia game and then you know, all the Maryland games. So should be on solid ground, but you know, now those have to do something. You know, with maybe being at their healthiest. Right. Where, where's Where's the line I add in the quarterback situation? You know, I, yeah, Brandon Peters got hurt in the first game, and then Art Sikowski came in and he did a good job against Nebraska. Uh, then Brandon Brandon came back, but his numbers were not that good last week, uh, based on what I saw. But where 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 does things stand in the quarterback situation heading into to this week's game against Purdue? Yeah, no real change there. You know, both Tony Peterson, the offensive coordinator, and, and Brett Bielma are firmly behind Brandon Peters. Said that he remains the starter. Arsikowski remains the backup. And I mean, I understand why, even though you know, Brandon completed 10 of 26 passes against Maryland. Um, it was uh, a rough night for him. Yeah. Took six sacks. Now some of those 
you know, fall on his offensive line. Some of those are on Brandon Peters' shoulders because he tends to hang on to the ball a little too long, and sometimes then it becomes too late to do anything. But the fact that you know he can, in theory, because it has wasn't so much in practice against Maryland, but you know, give Illinois an option in the you know, more vertical passing game. I think is is what they want. You know, Arzkowski. Just fine, and his fill-in role, but it was not stretching the field. It just sort of made the Illinois offense a little basic, a little predictable, and you know they're going to try and rely on Brandon Peters to you know, strike downfield a little more. Um, his wide receivers going to have to do a better job of getting open to make that happen, but he is he is still the guy. I mean, he won the job, you know, coming out of spring football, obviously, and then. Into fall camp once Sikowski got on campus, and you know, they they've stuck with him as long as he's been healthy. I guess what so far has been the uh, reaction to the Brett Bielema era. I know in the off season, you know everybody wins the off season when you get a new coach and all that kind of stuff. But kind of as as things start to settle in here, is there is there more optimism or more pessimism about what may happen in the future or? Uh, is it still just kind of too early to tell because we are just four games in? Probably a little too early to tell, but you know, after eight months where you know Brett Bielma did and said all the right things and had the fan base excited for this Illinois football season, a one and three start has certainly uh, dampened that uh, a little bit, and because there was this idea with the fan base, and it maybe you know should have been that with so many veteran players returning, you know, 22 super seniors, 40 total seniors on the roster that you know, maybe, you know, coaching change and a scheme change would make a difference. Uh, it hasn't, hasn't yet at least, but you know, the, the clock is running out on Illinois in terms of maybe uh, the an easier first half of the schedule compared to you know, what's to come. And you know, they haven't taken advantage you know, of that, at least not yet. And you know, I think they've got a couple more games you know, before things turn a little bit where they, they've got Wisconsin, Penn State, Iowa, Northwestern, even as maybe down as they are, you know, F. S. Gerald Owens, Illinois right now. So it's a, it's a tough finish, but I'm not sure the fan base has quite the excitement as it did you know, before the season and after that, that win against Nebraska where, you know, everything was looking rosy and now certainly maybe not so much. You bring up an interesting point about Illinois, about the, the number of super seniors that they have and the number of upperclassmen that they have. What does this mean, I guess, from a recruiting standpoint moving forward? Are they looking at just gaping holes that they have to fill or how, how do you believe they're going to manage this situation you know, in the next couple of years to get back to some sort of normalcy in the recruiting world. Yeah, this offseason could be interesting um, because certainly you know, some of the regular seniors will still have their bonus year of eligibility, and but it'll be a conversation with the between the coaching staff and the players about whether the, they'll come back because you know, it, that scholarship isn't guaranteed anymore after the, you know, the original clock runs out. 
I think you know, the NCAA's change where they've, you know, allowed for, you know, you know, signing more than 25 players in class once you include transfers uh, this coming you know, offseason will help Illinois, but you know, it's going to be huge turnover. Um, I mean, in theory, they can lose 40 players. Um, I don't know if it'll be quite that many, but 22 are gone for sure, and that's a lot of a lot of the starters. Um, so it's going to be a challenge to remake a big chunk of the roster for the 2022 season. Um, and I, you know, Brett Bielma has really placed an emphasis on recruiting. You know, the state of Illinois has a number of commitments from in-state prospects in the 2022 class, but um, I think to bridge the, the gap there in what could be a really tough season, uh, they'll have to you know, go to the transfer portal, and everybody does that now, but they're going to need to maybe hit on a few more of these, you know, transfers. Um, you look at a team like Michigan State, who brought in, I think, 14 transfers this offseason, and a lot of those guys are playing big roles. Illinois has had less success, you know, with bringing in impact transfers, you know, since that sort of became in vogue. But, you know, Brett Bielma's going to have to, I think, you know, do really well on that front, you know, after this season. We're visiting with Scott Ritchie from the Champaign News Gazette, covers – Illinois football and just about everything else over there in Champaign. We appreciate his time today. And just wanted to get your thoughts. Um, what, uh, what, what has, has anything surprised you in the Big Ten? Uh, anything disappointed you as you, as you look at the Big Ten landscape and as we start to get a little bit more each week in the more conference versus conference matchups? Uh, you know, what, what, what has kind of caught your eye so far in the Big Ten? Ohio State losing at home to Oregon I think caught everybody's attention. Um, I still think the Buckeyes are really talented and you know they'll they'll probably figure things out, but Penn State's gonna give them, you know, a challenge in the East and so might, you know, apparently Michigan and Michigan State. Um well Mel Tucker's done and Michigan State is probably you know the biggest surprise and because you know, they were like two and five, you know, last year and last year was a obviously a very strange season, but he is Got that thing, you know, on track at least for now, you know, pretty quickly. And then I guess in the West, uh, Iowa's defense—I guess something going there. I mean, <laughs> I, I think at one point, um, Iowa's defense had outscored you know, their opponent's offense, you know, and that was deep into their third game where that was the case. So uh, that's probably a little concerning for the rest of the West, and just how well that they're playing um, and. Yeah, they they might uh, you know land that top spot you know in the division. I would I would be surprised if it's not them. I guess at this point in the season, at least. Right. You, yeah, you just we just don't know what's going to happen from an injury standpoint. Um, you know, with with everybody uh, going into the into the rest of the season. Scott, before we let you go, you also cover basketball and you know practice getting ready to start officially here in the next week or so for for most college teams, although. They've been practicing all summer, and they've been practicing since school got back in session. But it's still kind of a kind of a big day when when the official practices start. Just the uh, what is the uh, the expectation level uh, with the Illini uh, when it comes to basketball? Kofi Coburn's back. That has to 
to to really uh blow the roof off the uh the assembly hall right now but just kind of kind of where where things stand as they get ready to to open open official practices next week well it's basketball season in champaign i think the the, the fan base has shifted that direction <laughs> and you know, there's so there's a lot of excitement around this team um, i think uh, as evidenced by you know student tickets sold out in less than three hours you know when they went on sale Part of that's just, you know, they, you know, hopefully, knock on wood, cross your fingers and all that, we'll be back in the arenas, you know, this winter. But um, this team, I mean, the expectations are as high as they were last year. And so I think, you know, they would have been a competitive team, you know, without Kofi Coburn, um, still maybe in that top half of the Big Ten. But his return just changes the entire dynamic. Um the floor is higher and the ceiling is higher for this team. Um, he, in all likelihood, will be a preseason All-American, well-deserved honor. And then just the, the combination you know, of him and Andre Curbelo and then every shooter that they've sort of placed around, you know, that, that ball screen duo, I think they're feeling good about their chances you know, heading into the year. And, and why not? I mean, they've got a, a veteran team and a, a deep team, and I think the only question is, you know, at end of games, who's gonna maybe put on the the cape that I would assume who did and and save the day as often as he did. But um, something tells me Andre Cabello is sort of ready to uh, to elevate his game you know, into that role a little bit more. Right. Well, hopefully you're like me and you're really intrigued by what's going to happen when Purdue and Illinois play twice with the uh, the big on big. <laughs> the matchups that, yeah. that 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 that's looming there. I you know I know Purdue played Illinois last year. It was it was early in the conference season, and you know Purdue Travion Williams obviously had the experience with Zach Eady did not uh, at that point, but he's he's a much more refined player now. But just just that big matchup has to be something that um, those of us on the outside just have to have that circle just to see how all that plays out. Yeah, plus on top of the fact that I mean, you never know how the, the rankings will shake out, but that should be a or could be like a, a top ten matchup if both teams sort of play into their expectation level um, to that point. Um, yeah, it's exciting. And then you know, across the Big Ten, it's a lot of big on big matchups that'll be interesting. I think Illinois fans probably have Michigan circle a little more. Um, Hunter Dickinson's not their favorite person in the world right now, uh, but. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to just all basketball, really. Yeah, just get, let's get fans back in the stands. Let's get the environments going. I mean, last year was a great Big Ten year, but we all saw that was missing, and that was the, the excitement level and um, the things that were happening that would have brought crowds to their feet and all that. Um, you know, you, get, you know, remember that. Purdue fans have not seen Zach Eady, Jay Nivey, in their freshman class play in person. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's, and that goes across the board for a lot of fan bases. They haven't seen their, some of their better young players play in person. So we're all hoping for that. Well, Scott, we appreciate your time talking Illinois football and a little bit of Illinois basketball, uh, as we, uh, get ready for Saturday's, uh, uh football game at Ross Age Stadium between, uh, the Boilermakers and the Illini. Um, you can follow Scott 
uh, on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle, Scott? So people want to uh, stay up to date. Yeah, it's at SR Richie, R-I-C-H-E-Y. And, uh, you know, I try to keep it light. Don't want to take Twitter too seriously. I try to be funny. <laughs> I think sometimes I am. So, well, yeah, we, yeah, if you want to follow, uh, I'm, I'm more than welcome to it. Right. Uh, and there, it's free to follow. I mean, it's just, it, it, it costs you nothing. And we need more humor on Twitter and less, less some of the other stuff, but people are who they are and they're going to be that way. So anyway, Scott, appreciate your time this morning. Uh, best of luck and hope to see you on Saturday. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Once again, we thank Scott Ritchie for joining us on the Borders Extra podcast, uh, today, uh, and previewing Saturday's game against, uh, uh, the Boilermakers and the Fighting Illini. Um, it's, you know, from, from Purdue standpoint now, I think the biggest questions as we're, as we're here midweek is, you know, what, what will be David Bell's status, uh, for the game? I don't believe he has practiced yet. And that would have been Tuesday. Um, does he practice on Wednesday? Can he go as late as Thursday and get a, uh, and get a, and get a workout in? You know, I, I, he's the type of player that doesn't need to, practice to play and I think Jeff Brom kind of echoed that on Monday so if he if he's cleared to go then I, obviously that helps Purdue and, and, and this is really a simple because some people asked me uh, yesterday it's like well would you would you even play him uh, to me it's like well I mean it, it's easy if the medical people clear him and David Bell feels good to play then he plays if the medical people don't clear him then he doesn't play. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. Now, I will say that if Purdue actually was like playing UConn this week, I think it'd be wise to hold him out. But Purdue's not playing UConn; they're playing Illinois. It's an important game, but you shouldn't risk somebody's health just for for a game. So all that's going to be determined from a medical standpoint and how and how David Bell is feeling. He is a tough kid. Uh, he's he's played through some some nicks and stuff before. Uh, during his college career, and if he feels good and the medical people feel good, he'll play. But the bigger issue is if David doesn't play, then his backup is already out, Marshawn Rice. Uh, now you're getting into what was a deep receiver core when they started preseason camp to a not-so-deep preseason group, uh, and you're going to be relying on guys like Milton Wright uh, Brock Thompson, who's a transfer, Marshall, older guy, gives him some experience, gives him some leadership there. You know, that, that's, that's, that should be a bonus for them. Then you have TJ Sheffield and Jackson Anthrop at the slots receivers. But guys like Colin Sullivan, um, you know, are, are going to probably get a little bit more playing time than, than what they used to. Abdul Rahim Yassin will be another one to watch and see, you know, how far uh, he gets into the rotation, how deep he gets in there. And then, you know, maybe the true freshman, Preston Terrell, uh, would, would get a shot. But I think Purdue's rotation is going to get slimmed down a little bit if David Bell's not there. Uh, it's already going to be slimmed down because you don't have Marshawn Rice. Uh, and then you really need a guy like Milton Wright to be, you know, the player that we think that he can be and the player that he thinks that he can be. He hasn't been consistent enough. Um, you know the drops are the are the biggest thing with him. You know he's he's good for one drop, one drop a game, and 
he, you know, he, he's shown the ability to bounce back, but I think everyone is just kind of looking for that consistency from game to game, stepping up and making plays. Uh, if David Bell's not in the game, he's going to get more targets. He's going to get more opportunities. Um, he certainly has the talent. Um, he certainly has the skill level. Um, but it just hasn't clicked on a consistent basis yet, basis yet uh, for him. And as Purdue enters this two-game stretch against Illinois and Minnesota, they need somebody like Milton Wright to to step up and make those plays, even even with David Bell in the game. But it becomes more uh, more important if David Bell's not not involved. And of course, Purdue needs to get uh, some sort of running game going, some consistent running game going. Um, and that you know that's going to go back to the offensive line, and this is going to be a season long story that you know they are who they are. But you just got to figure out a way to to generate some yardage on the ground and especially in those short yardage situations that we've, that we've talked about for the last, you know, six months ever, you know, since spring ball is they've, they've got to be better uh, in short yardage situations. They were not great uh, against Notre Dame. Um, in fact, from a third down perspective, they didn't convert a third down in the second half against Notre Dame. Um, so they've got to be better in some areas, but that's, that's Notre Dame. And Notre Dame is going to be similar to some teams that play in the Big Ten. Illinois is not one of those, but it's still a Big Ten team. So uh, Purdue's got some some issues there to figure out. Defensively, they're playing well, I think. Uh, they gave up some big plays uh, against uh, uh, Notre Dame. Uh, but in those three, they were three big plays that resulted in touchdowns. And, you know, that's that was the game. And Purdue's got to, got to learn to limit those at least – you know, don't give up a 40 yarder, you know, give up a 20 yarder, at least give your defense a chance to get in the red zone and maybe hold a team to a field goal. Uh, so the, the, that would be the, the one thing defensively is just kind of keeping those big plays to a minimum. Uh, they're going to happen occasionally, uh, but just don't let them result in touchdowns. And that's what happened last week against Notre Dame. Those big plays turned into scores like immediately still make them march the ball into the end zone, uh, just like defenses are forcing Purdue to march the ball in the end zone. You know, the longer you're on the field, the, the better chance you have for a mistake to happen. And that's why it's odd to have long drives nowadays in college football. I did, I did see last week where Iowa put together a 20 play drive, which is remarkable on so many levels that there wasn't a, a huge mistake, a turnover of penalties that would have, you know, forced them to either to punt or give the ball up. But, you know, kudos to them for, for doing that. Um, but 20 play drives are just not the norm. Um, and, and on offensively, Purdue needs to strike with a few more big plays, uh, to, to get out of that, you know, here's four yards, here's five yards type of thing. And they need to, they need to punch back with the, with the big play, uh, scenarios as well. Anyway, you got Purdue and Illinois Saturday, Ross State Stadium, uh, a lot of content on jconline.com. Uh, also, basketball practice is going to start next week for the the Boilermakers. We'll have some content throughout uh, the rest of the week and in the next week uh, regarding uh, some some key topics and some questions regarding uh, the basketball uh, team going into what should be a very good season uh, for the Boilermakers. They're going to be in the top ten ranked. They're going to get a lot of attention. They're going to play a lot of marquee games in the non-conference, and then obviously everything in the Big Ten this season will be 
a marquee game. Once again, we thank Scott Ritchie for joining us uh, on the podcast today to preview Saturday's game against Illinois. If you have questions, concerns, comments, or would like to sponsor the pod- podcast, feel free to, to reach out. Uh, DM me on Twitter or email me or to get a hold of me. Uh, there's, there's plenty of ways to do it, and I it's not, it's not that hard to do. Anyway, thanks for stopping by, and have a good day.